for professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Say hello, Josh. Hello, Dan. You look like the puppet master here. Say hello. <laughs> say this. Say that. that hello, I, Dan. I like that trademark hello every Monday <laughs> night. It's very, it's very warm. Thank uh, you. <laughs> Josh, this evening, we're going to, this is a product segment I'm not sure I knew existed until until the last few days. Well, it's and it's a product segment that existed for years. The question is, never really spoken about it, and it's definitely new to a lot of people. So we'll have to we'll have to grasp, we'll have to wrap the idea around people's heads. So we know what gaming is, video games, and that whole industry. We know there's a media empire around gaming. There are platforms like Twitch, which allow you to watch people playing games. So this is actually apparel for gamers. So there's media involved here. There's fashion. There's performance wear. Uh, we're going to speak to Cole Gurman of H, uh, sorry, it's it's written H4X, but it's pronounced Hacks. Correct. And, and it's really also about building a brand, you know, because they'll have the accessories and the the accoutrement that will go with uh, with the esports world and the gaming world, and uh, so it's 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 going to be interesting. And later in the show, Ernie Furt, tax partner at FL, talks about uh, what happens when you change residency out of Quebec or out of Canada, and what that means for your tax bill. Um, and so that is on the way later. Uh, but first, entrepreneurial news and notes. And one thing we didn't get to uh, last week when we were talking about um, you know summer stuff uh, was all the flurry of mergers and acquisitions activity in Montreal this summer. Yeah, and and I think that's really what stood out when when we were chatting last week. And it was like you know how was your summer and all that. It was it was great. It was warm. It was beautiful. I love Montreal in the summer. From a from a business standpoint. It, there was, there really is a flurry of, of M&A activity out there, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, we've been seeing it for a little while. This is not news, but it's 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 just happening more and more and more. We keep we've we said the stat or we've heard the stat on the on the radio on the program saying that seventy percent of businesses will transition in the next five to ten years. Uh, big big numbers, trillions of dollars are gonna gonna change hands. We always hear it and we do see it. But I guess I'm just seeing it that much more. And it's not necessarily big deals. It doesn't have to be 30, 40, 50, 100 million dollar deals. There's a bunch of small deals on the table too. As businesses from outside of Canada or outside of Quebec look to get a footprint here for businesses that are looking to grow and they just can't do it organically anymore. So if we can't do it organically, well then we'll buy a competitor, we'll buy somebody uh, you know that that's in our field, and we can grow our top line that way. Uh, there is, and and it and it could be in any industry, whether it's service, whether it's product, services. I guess I see it a touch more because uh, organic growth. There's again, you have to build up, you have to pay people, and talent. Talent is, and I'm jumping around because there's so much information going through my head with M and A, but we keep talking about talent wars and it, the difficulty of finding people. Well, an M&A, if you want to acquire somebody, you might be able to acquire that talent. You might be able not to get it on your own and grow organically, but if another company that's and a competitor that's doing okay and they have some great people on their team, that's another reason to to, to come and, and, and buy a company. So there is always, there's growth. You hear a lot of consolidation, a lot, you know, companies that are, that are, you have a lot of competition and, and really everybody's fighting for the same piece of the pie. How do you get a bigger piece? Sometimes you just got to buy your next door neighbor. So there's there's a lot of activity and 
the level of sophistication is getting better. There, there's a lot of nuances when you're when you're outselling your company. You really got to protect yourself, and when you're buying a company, you got to make sure that all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted. And it's a uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting process that not everybody's cut out to go through, but there's always people around that can help. A Today's Entrepreneur alum was sold over the summer. Alomo Coco, they go to uh, MTY Food Group. That's right. Uh, they uh, Tom Buntis, Tom Buntis that was here uh, last season, uh, he he started a little franchise and uh, he built uh, and he, he owned a couple of the stores and then he was selling out and building franchises. And uh, he, he, I think, I don't know the whole story. I haven't really spoken to Tom. We might have to bring him back in, uh, but definitely, uh, definitely there's activity out there. We've spoken about Canada Goose on the program and how they're doing some interesting things at the retail level. We talked about that fridge downtown where people can sort of experience the coats and everything. Uh, they're now well, getting... Why go outside to the cold? <laughs> go inside to feel the cold. Uh, they're now uh, doubling down on, on the luxury market. Well, and I think this is a, this is a story I read in HBR and Harvard Business Review. And I mean, it touches. It's really the story about their family business and and how they've they've kind of grown over the years, and a little bit about the latest generation that that really was very integral to where Canada Goose is today. And there was a couple of things in there that just I felt was worth highlighting. Uh, and one of them in in this in this commoditized market that we live in, where it's price, 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 and let's go for the cheapest manufacturing regions in the world make our product and sell and just get our biggest bang for the buck for for as little as we have to pay from a cost of goods sold standpoint. Places like Canada Goose, they realize that there is far more behind a brand, far more that, that can go and far more in the, in the luxury side. Yes, you can make a lot of money if you do a lot of volume on the low end. You might not have to sell as much on the high end but because your margins are that much greater. And there is a market for it. There is a prestige market for quality goods. And Canada does have a good reputation. There's no question about it. So one of the points was when they were building a brand, it was a quality brand. They, they decided to go the opposite. They're not going cheap goods. They're going to they're gonna build locally. They're going to get the right workers and the right technique and the right uh, design and really go build it. Now, they did. Their, part of their story is they used to white label for a bunch of other people. They used to just be the manufacturer for other people's brands. It's tough to do both. It's tough to, comp- to, to, to be a white labeler and do your own brand. So they made a conscious decision to say, you know what, we're no longer white labeling. We're not going to do Snow Goose anymore for somebody else. We're going to do Canada Goose. That's our own. We're going to make it good. We're going to make a great, a great product that has Canada in mind and sell it around the world. This story is interesting and inspired by the Antonio Brown saga, that very problematic player on the New England Patriots. The price of toxic talent in entrepreneur.com, what we can learn from that saga. Uh, I mean, he's really the ultimate toxic employee, I would say. But uh, what what do you do if you have a toxic employee who, to use the comparison here, may be performing very well, but is a bad influence in the workplace? Well, then the question becomes, and, and, you know, We've heard this from other pro athletes that are maybe take a little bit too much oxygen in the uh, in the dressing room, PK. And when we were thinking about uh, the, the 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 it's really what's the cost of that of that poison? You know, you could be a phenomenal player, you could be a one great talent, you can have this one phenomenal employee. They're they're just killing it, but if they're poison, if they have bad attitude, and they they, they poison everybody around them or they become toxic to everybody around them, you're just killing the rest of the team. You're killing, you're, you're killing that spirit. And the reality is, in most businesses, like in most sports, 
it's the team that gets it done. It's rarely one player that can really move a business forward to its entirety. So you might have one great performer, but what is it costing you? Is it costing you other good people to make your to make your business grow? So, you know, always keep that in mind. And and every now and then, you know, don't expect a mirror a miracle, but but definitely there's something that that you need to look at beyond that one performer. Real quick, I want your thoughts on this from Inc.com. How to uh, successfully manage a team that works remotely. Um, this is something, a challenge that I face. A lot of my teams are remote, and uh, it's it's indeed hard to get the communication going. It is, and, and you really need the right frame of mind and the right mentality and the right openness to do it. But more importantly, you need the right the right managers. You need to be able to manage those situations. You, you're, you're not going to necessarily stare at somebody coming in at 8.30 a.m. and leaving at 5 p.m., you're gonna you're gonna have to relinquish some of those some of those old fashioned notions. The question becomes: Are you measuring by results? Or are you measuring by hours? Just because somebody's there the full seven and a half or eight hour day doesn't mean they're working. And maybe they are far more productive in a remote location. But you do have to manage it actively, because there are some interpersonal qualities and skills that you can really only get when working in a team and face to face. So it's really managing it. And, you know, if they're really working at home a lot and you have a whole team working at home, you have to manage FOMO, fear of missing out, mm-hmm. because you don't want them to think they're <laughs> missing something by not being there, even though they love not being there. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800. Let's get it started with Cole Gurman of, of Hacks, H4X. Uh, they make apparel for the gaming industry. So a brand new industry that we're going to talk about on today's Entrepreneur this evening and later in the program, Ernie Furt, tax partner on FL, about what to do with your taxes when you move out of Quebec or Canada. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. And we welcome into studio, again, a guest from an industry that we've never talked about before. Uh, This is Gaming Apparel. Cole Gurman is here from Hacks H4X. Uh, Welcome, Cole. Hey, how are you guys? Now this is this is definitely a topic that we have not addressed too much in the past, Dan. So the the first question that we ask every week is actually a really important one. Uh, what what is Cole? What is Hacks? So Hacks is essentially an esports lifestyle uh, and performance brand derived from gaming and esports. Uh, so the H four the four is a- actually Hacks is an A. It's H four X pronounced Hacks. Uh, it's lead speak, essentially a uh, gaming vernacular. And so is it only clothing or is it only performance clothing or are there other items that you're, that you're also selling? No, the there Hacks are certainly brand? other items. I mean, we just, uh, last week we launched our new product offering for our fall collection. Uh, there's a bunch of streetwear, athleisure items. Um, so you can really wear this online and offline. For those that don't game, that don't know anything about gaming, can you explain the performance part? Because people are listening and they go, hang on, performance wear for video games? Yeah, I mean, just as an example, right? We have arm sleeves. All of our PC gamers, especially our uh, partnered athletes, they wear it for frictionless mobility when they're playing on PC. So that's just one item. But also for the more lifestyle stuff uh, that they could also game in. There's engineered properties embedded inside the garments for, you know, let's say wicking properties, uh, laser cut ventilation uh, for breathability. I mean, the list just goes on. And we're constantly innovating and coming up with new ideas. So. Now, how long? When did Hack start? How long ago? So, I mean, the inception of the idea was almost four years now. Uh, we launched around two years ago, uh, but I wasn't where I was today or at the helm of the company. So 
uh, things changed pretty quickly in the past six, seven months. Now, what were you doing before Hacks? Uh, before Hacks, uh, it's you funny. weren't doing anything related. I wasn't to doing anything relating game. to esports. I mean, I always played games, but uh, I was really, I was really into the cryptocurrency scene. So uh, really accumulated a lot of Bitcoin. So you, <laughs> which you know help help helps you get into the to the esports. Yeah, world. they're both emerging markets. I guess you can have some overlap, especially I guess from a payment processing perspective. Something we might want to implement. No, no question. Now, hacks. Where did the name come from? So it basically means cheating hacks, right? But we don't look at it like that. It's uh, not such a negative connotation. We say it as if you know you're so good. You're almost you almost have to be cheating, right? So people would spam hacks on like a uh, a stream uh, a stream like someone's stream, let's say. If he's so elite and he's really you know unparalleled to anyone else out there, that's sort of the language they would they would use. Now you're now the, I, you know I I'm, I'm going to throw out some some terms that you know yeah. I've kind of heard over 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 time, uh, you know because you you referred to and we've spoken before about an esports athlete uh, versus somebody that's maybe just streaming and playing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very hard to delineate all of the differences, right? But I guess the main one you would say is a streamer who's solely a streamer would definitely be a personality who plays a game, but wouldn't necessarily be part of a pro organization. Okay. I, I guess that would be the main, the main takeaway here. And when you're, when you're thinking about your target market for, for your gear, do you think more athlete or do you think more streamer? Where do you get your bigger bang for the buck? Look, there's so much overlap, but I mean, our core consumer range is anywhere from 12 to 34, right? And it's very important to note where they all live. The behavioral segmentation is huge. Uh, is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? What products do you want to push on both? Uh, YouTube, uh, Twitch. There's so many different uh, avenues to take, and we really we need to be conscious of all of them. Let's talk about Twitch for a second, how, yeah. that, how that incorporates into your business model, because that is sort of the, the media of gaming. Um, how important is it for, for Hacks? Uh, look, all... All media channels are important, but for Twitch right now, um, we have accelerators such as our partnered athletes who they're really representing us with their voice and representing the vision. So having them speak about hacks on Twitch, uh, wearing the gear, representing hacks, and basically being an ambassador is very important. It's probably one of the foremost uh, important things. Is it tough? I mean, they're, they are, I guess, an influencer for you as well. Uh, can, you, can you describe a little bit how you came about getting one of these guys or some of these athletes? Yeah, no, to, definitely. To, uh, great question. Uh, I mean, look, uh, speaking to our marketing activities, we had a partnership with, uh, we do still, with uh, huge event organizers, uh, the ESL and DreamHack namely. Um, and that's great for brand awareness, right? But uh, from in terms of messaging, I think it was a little premature, right? We still needed to find our brand identity, who we are, what the DNA of our brand even is, the architecture. Uh, I could go on. But, um, you know, learning, fr those key learnings from, I guess, the event organizers to even teams all the way to the player uh, is quite special. It's, there's more sentimental value in having a player and being partnered with a player. I mean, I'm personally friends with a lot of them too. So. How, did, how did you find the first player? I mean, this is still new. It's not like there's a normal contract out there for somebody to represent you or acts. Like, can you maybe a little bit of the, the mechanics to a certain degree anyways on, on how that happened? Yeah, I mean, you know, just by being within the esports ecosystem, knowing the games, uh, especially we found in the FPS community, right, um, we just know a lot of guys. I get along with a lot of the guys, everyone from Call of Duty to CSGO. Um, so how it happened, um, I can't really speak to the exact moment, but we were talking to a bunch of them at once, showing them the brand. Uh, they really liked uh, the essence of it. So we started talking and say, hey, there could be a big opportunity for both of us, uh, and especially making capsule collections for a lot of these guys. They were very into that as well. 
So did a lot of people think you were crazy for getting into this business? Uh, because uh, certainly uh, anyone above a certain age, like me, didn't even know it existed. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're definitely going to have uh, a lot of people doubting, you know, doubting the space, doubting what you're doing. Uh, but I mean, we believed in it ever since, especially just because I'm a gamer, right? Saw the growth potential. Um, but especially with Ninja and a lot of these big guys, even Sentinel Booga from the World uh, Fortnite World Championship, uh, these guys are really bringing esports and gaming to the next level. And I think you're going to see it become a lot more mainstream than it already is. And the growth potential, even from merchandise sales, is going to become huge. Did they look at you because you you didn't come from the gaming community before? You came, you know, Bitcoin, crypto, whatever you were right. doing. Did they look at you and say, "Well, who is this guy coming into our world?" Uh, not really. I mean, we sort of speak the same language. Uh, they're not so different from you and me. Even you guys, if you play games, right? Your your interests, even your cultural interests, can align. Uh, it's not so off base that you know I'm really immersed in the scene. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. And from an apparel standpoint, did you, you didn't have apparel background, or I mean, do I would, you? I would say I'm a de facto merchandiser just because I like, you know, uh, I like fashion apparel. Um, I've been wearing it ever since, even uh, back when I was a kid. You know, I was into hip hop music, and I think it all, you know, started there and evolved since then. So, we're talking gaming apparel with Cole German of Hacks. Some more with him on the way. Plus, Ernie Furt talks about uh, changing residency uh, if you're leaving Quebec or Canada and what it means for your taxes. That's all on the way. Today's entrepreneur on CJ80. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by F.L. Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and F.L. Montreal's Josh Miller with you. And we're chatting with Cole German of Hacks, or uh, it's written H4X, a uh, brand new product segment, Josh. We've never done anything close to this before. They market apparel for gamers. So they use tools like Twitch to get their message out. Twitch is, I guess, a streaming broadcast media that you can sort of watch people play games. Um, there are athletes and champions and endorsement deals and everything you get with sports apparel just for gaming. It's not on your screen right now, Dan? You're not Maybe checking it out a Twitch channel <laughs> Twitch right now? I can't tell. I'm watching people play, play Mario Kart here. It's what I'm really doing in the spare time. Uh, no, but uh, serious games, right? Call, I mean, Call of Duty, stuff that keeps you there for, for hours on end, and then more importantly, keeps the fans there for hours on end. Yeah, right. Now, now, there's when we're talking, and we, we've talked a lot of, about, you know, in this IT world, in the online world, and how there's big data out there and there's data collection. When you're looking at this, whether it's with your performance wear, you're in this gaming world, how does data collection fit in? Is that part of the overall plan of Hacks? Yeah, certainly. Uh, it's one of the core components. Um, I mean, other than you know our partnered athletes, we do have something called the Hacks Lab, which is an initiative uh, we embarked on uh, five months ago. Uh, it's essentially a performance center for a lot of these semi-pros and pro teams. They'll come into the lab. It's actually here in Montreal, our first one, uh, proof of concept. So they'll come here into the lab. Uh, they'll practice. They'll scrimmage. They'll hone their skills. And they'll work with kinesiologists um, that we have as independent contractors that will come in and actually collect data. They'll collect uh, data from the reaction time and just watch their gameplay. Is that information that's going to be embedded in the clothing itself or is it elsewhere? It's external. Oh, no, certainly. Uh, we're using it for ourselves for R&D, right? We're constantly innovating, and we do have other other styles in the pipeline we are working on. Very excited about it. Probably be uh, our first beta will be out in a couple months. So a lot of exciting things to come there. Now, you, you mentioned your you know your Hacks Lab. It's in Montreal. That's the, that's the proof of concept. Why Montreal? 
Like, Mon- what, why why is Hacks based in Montreal? And are there other places, you know, whether it's North America or the world, that that it could it could do just as well? Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, Montreal is just where you know we, we came up with the idea and started the company, right? Uh, it's the HQ currently, uh, but that's subject to change um, in even anywhere from six months to a year from now. Uh, we're possibly thinking out west. Well, West Coast, you think LA, you think you think gamers is, is I mean, do you do you travel there? Is like you you keep yep. the because you're you're trying to build a brand and you're building a brand that's going to be definitely far bigger than Montreal. So, how far do you expand beyond the Montreal borders to help build that brand? Yeah, I mean, I'm out there almost every week, uh, right? Uh, LA, uh, Portland, um, working on all components of the business, everywhere from networking to talking to players, uh, speaking with teams. Uh, even on our whole backend side and supply chain, uh, we're we're looking at other product development there as well. So definitely a lot, uh, a lot to think about, and that's probably the main reason why we should be out there. It is a main hub for esports, uh, Berlin, LA. I would say. You know, come to think of it, I should have let Cole say that just before the break as we go into Ernie's. You know, what mm. happens if you if you leave the country? Um, but coming back to your to your background, I'm I'm curious because you you know you were in the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, but what did you what did you study in school? Did anywhere close to this? Uh, I studied finance accounting, um, so it definitely helped support uh, my initiatives in this industry. Um, I guess implicitly. was that a big advantage of you being where you are today? Your your educational background? Yeah, huge. I mean, and uh, you know, my family's also been in the uh, merchandising business, but uh, they are quite different. The two. I mean, I guess the blended margin in something like building a brand, having that wholesale distribution channel as well as direct to consumer, uh, is quite different than just having a wholesale private label and licensing business. Um. So certainly, uh, there are there are some major differences, and the education did help in that department. Uh, but even I guess the key takeaway uh, for me in this business, I'd say, is the marketing. Right, you're going to see a big a big steep in your operating expenses and your marketing expenses for building a brand to commercialize. There's no question. You got to you know there when you're getting out of the gate and you're trying to build uh, a. A, a full-time brand, and and Dan, you you live this with with in your in your daytime job sometimes as well. You're trying to build that full-time brand. Out of the gate, is there? Can you do too much? Is there some? Is is there is there such thing as going too big too soon when you're trying to build that brand? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we sell in over 30 countries. Uh, this is a global brand we're talking about, right? So we exist uh, predominantly North America and Europe. Uh, so you know that was our main main idea was to you know be a part of a huge event organizer. Uh, so as I said before, it is a good idea. It's definitely huge brand awareness, but I mean, focusing and keying in on the, the sentimental value the players give you, um, was some of the key learnings that, uh, that, that we've taken away from this. So can you think back to when you first started hacks, like, you know, three, four years ago and after you did research, cause I know you've done a ton of research, I'm sure getting up to there, is there something you would have done differently from a marketing standpoint with the knowledge you have today? If you could transport that back a few years ago from that marketing aspect, would you have done something differently? Uh, certainly. I mean, I think first first comes first. You have to build your brand house. you got to know your brand identity everywhere from voice uh, to verbiage, uh, messaging on social, which social media platforms you're going to be on, uh, and who ultimately is your core consumer. That's the most important thing. And I think everybody building a business has to understand if you don't know who your core consumer is, you're going to be lost. And essentially, you're going to be shooting blanks. So I, I would say that would be the most important thing. I'm looking at it now. That's like that's my key takeaway. So research, research, research. Research, research, research. What is your marketing mix like? How do you get to your consumers? Is it mostly social media? Is it the digital outlets like Twitch? Uh, yeah, I mean it is. It's 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 we're, we're ubiquitous, right? I mean we're wherever we're from Twitch to Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. But we re- we really are since we're a fashion brand, f- fashion brand. We're focusing first on Instagram and Twitter, right? Twitter's where the gamers live. That's their hub. If you're not on Twitter and you're in gaming. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know how you're going to be successful. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say those two are our main, but we're we're essentially everywhere. And have you gotten some mainstream media uh, interest, or is this kind of your first traditional media interest? Oh no, sure. I mean, uh, even a couple months ago, I was on Cheddar uh, Cheddar Esports, and uh, there there is a lot of mainstream interest, and it's only going to increase. I mean, with the incessant growth, as I mentioned, I mean this thing is building quick, and the wave is coming, um, and we're just trying to capitalize, but also be authentic to the space with what we do. Does that mean you've become a slave to your phone? Yeah, uh, I don't know what I do without my phone at this point, right? Like um, everywhere can, from can you content, take a break? Can you take a break from your phone? Uh, I guess when I get those couple hours of sleep, I'm taking a break <laughs> from my phone. But even then, I have it right next to me. I mean, there's there's always uh, there's always things happening, right? And uh, some interest might spark, and I got to be on top of it. No question. Now you mentioned briefly about uh, your your family and their and merchandising. How have they like how, how have they rubbed off? How have they kind of helped you? Uh, share their knowledge and you know because if if you came from finance and accounting and not necessarily gaming and you were in bitcoin and you're now doing merchandising and apparel and purchasing you know uh, fabric and 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 the yeah, like sure, sure. where like how is that knowledge gained yeah i mean look there's so many intricacies within this uh within this business right and i think for me it wasn't to, for me it wasn't to do with anything creative i think that came natural to me um definitely learned uh, a plethora of supply a supply chain knowledge from them i mean if i didn't have uh if i didn't have that knowledge and that background from my family uh, i would know where to look in terms of uh, overseas supply chain and actually uh doing product development from scratch everything from tech packs to testings to protos to uh dialots i mean there's so ma- there's so much to incorporate right and if i didn't have them i mean this would be a lot tougher put it that way so it is kind of a new product did it take a while to get it right with your suppliers to get back the product that you really envisioned um yeah i think at the beginning um it did because i was working with a lot of uh suppliers um that, that they they've used but uh, as i said these are really they're two different beasts uh these businesses right they're more uh, mass market, uh, mainstream. They deal with big box retailers such as, uh, you know, JC Penney, uh, Walmart, Targets of the world. Um, and our distribution channel is quite different, and the, the quality difference, and you know, the the intricate design language that uh, that we want to communicate is is a lot more complex. So that being said, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of key learnings, but I think we found uh, found our niche. So where in the world do you buy? Where do you where do you trust? Are you happy with the quality? And which which country in the world are you are you interacting with that that you're comfortable with? I mean, everywhere from uh, you know Portugal to uh, to Taiwan, uh, China, of course. Um, I mean, it really depends on the style we're talking about. You're talking about your knits, uh, your 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 fleece, your, your woven nylons. Uh, there's so much your polyester. There's so much to incorporate, and also in terms of you know imports, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of intricacies there as well to think about in terms of duties. So you've got to be strategic, but also you can't waver on the quality. And that's that's the point because it's a performance brand, and it's uh, it's that that's what's needed certainly as you're as you're building a brand, and uh, and and it's 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 a great and really interesting story. And we're talking about you know your location, Montreal, the states. You know we're talking about different countries around the world, uh, and that's what I think we'll continue with. Indeed. So, Cole, you're, you're a young entrepreneur. You're successful. Obviously, you're looking to other cities. So we're going to give you some tax tips with Ernie Furt from FL uh, if you plan on leaving Quebec or Canada. So that is on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's entrepreneur, Cole, Ge- Cole Gurman of uh, Hacks H4X 
is our guest this evening, one of our youngest entrepreneurs actually on the show uh, uh, so far, and we'll have his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. But first, we bring back Ernie Furt, tax partner at FL, to talk about what do we do tax-wise when we leave Quebec or Canada. Welcome back, Ernie. Thank you for having me. Now, Josh, why would why would anyone want to live this leave this place? Just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think they think should wait reason. for they should wait for election <laughs> results before they just decide anything. Just around the corner, but it can uh, get complicated. It can get complicated. And, and listen, there's business opportunities around the world, and sometimes Montreal isn't the best place for you. So then you do have to consider and say, well, where do I want to live, and is it better for whether it's lifestyle, whether it's business, what have you. So I know there there can be differences between leaving the province and leaving the country, but let's start with the country. Okay. As, uh, with the elections coming up, let's start with the country. Now, if if an entrepreneur is, has his business, he's operating, he's running it, it's great, but he says, you know what, I'm really better off in the U.S. or wherever it is in the world, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I want to go to Trumpville, USA. He and doesn't do have to leave to do that. So so what are the considerations? What are some of the challenges that, that they have to keep in mind? Well, first of all, if you're a Canadian company... Uh, then you're, you're gonna, your status will change. You'll no longer be entitled to your small business deduction rate. So that's one thing that you have to concern yourself with if you leave the country. You'll also have deemed dispositions upon departure. So kind of like you were considered to have sold everything when you leave Canada. Now you have this big business that you built. And what do you mean? I'm going to have to pay tax on all of that? Well, not necessarily. You, you'll have to provide security for, uh, for the sale uh, to, to cover the value of the business when you leave Canada. But you don't have to pay that right away, and you can ha- you can leave certain assets here as well. But for for the for the most part, you know the, your portfolio you can provide security for as well. But it may not be so smart to do that for a portfolio because portfolios fluctuate in value, up down, uh, hopefully not down, but depending on the election results, maybe down. <laughs> uh, we never know. So these are things to consider. You have to look at your picture of assets. What do I have? And it's really what's in your own name because there's a lot of a lot of family businesses that have created trusts, mm-hmm. and the trust in and of itself isn't necessarily in your name when you when you leave. No, it's not. It's not in your name. But but you have. To, let's consider the stuff that's in your name. So the first thing that you should do when you when you go to a meeting with your accountant is not tell him or her, I left Canada. Okay, and what do we have to do? The, the discussion should be, I'm considering leaving Canada. What should we do? So that's a big difference in question. And you should come armed with a list of assets. So you have your list of assets. What is the cost of the asset? What is the fair market value of the asset? And then look at each asset individually, plus other things that you have in Canada, your house, you know, uh, RSPs. Uh, RSPs. Now you you raise the It's very. It's uniquely Canadian. It's people savings. It it hasn't yet been taxed in Canada, and you're leaving the well, country. Well, not yet. You're not old enough, Josh. But, yeah, Eventually, it'll be taxed in Canada. Eventually, in a few years, uh, about forty, in my own mind. So the the like RSPs have a, a unique characteristics about them. What happens when you leave Canada? Are you you have to dispose of them right away? Do you keep them? Well, you pay the tax up front. It's a choice. You have three choices the way I look at it. You have the stupid choice, you have the pretty intelligent choice, and then you have the really intelligent choice. Well, the stupid one is, I'm leaving Canada, so I cashed in all my RSPs, and everything's going to be taxable in Canada before you leave at, let's say, your 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 highest marginal rate of close to 53% in Quebec. 
have a nice day. That's real smart. Okay, that's the dumb way. Now, way number two is, okay, I'm leaving Canada, but I need this RRSP money. So what's it going to cost me if I leave the country? So we look, and Canada has the right to tax that. So what they're going to do is they're going to withhold 25%. So 25% beats the heck out of 53. So that's pretty good. Quebec doesn't get anything. The federal government gets 25%, and that's that's good. That's that's better than you would, you would have gotten if you if you remained in Canada. And if you can not need this money and you can be patient, then effectively Canada will only get 15 if you take an annuity later on when you when you retire and and you start drawing down on the RRSP. So one asset that you should definitely leave is your RRSP. Another asset that you shouldn't necessarily leave is your tax-free savings account. A lot of people leave, they start contributing to a tax-free savings account after they leave. Penalty situation, not a good idea. So you have to watch that. And if you're going to the States, your tax-free savings account is not tax-free over there. So you have to look for a U.S. vehicle that would be commensurate with the uh, with the tax-free savings account. So don't contribute if you're leaving the country uh, and cash it out because that's the, 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 that's the easy money and free. Ever seen a situation where a client just sees it's too disadvantageous and just cancels the whole thing? And if so, what does that scenario look like where, where the penalties become too burdensome? Well, it's not a question of penalties here for, for a tax-free savings account you're referring to? Just just leaving the country and, and setting all of that up or leaving, uh, leaving the province? Here. Well... Leaving the province is not, uh, you're not considered to have disposed of anything when you leave the province. You just have to be careful that you actually do leave the province because leaving the province, what are you looking at? You're, you're looking at, did I acquire a new place of residence? Did I sell my old one? Did I change the address with, for my tax return? Did I get a Ontario Medicare card as a opposed to a Quebec Medicare card. Do I now have an Ontario license? Have I been lazy and kept everything the same? And then all of a sudden, I didn't sell my residence. I couldn't sell my residence. The market wasn't good. You know, I really like my house, so I didn't sell it, but I bought another one in in, in, uh, Toronto. Uh, I like that one too. It's, It's smaller. It's not quite as large as the house I have in Quebec. So the Quebec government will take a look at you and say, well, did you really leave? Or are you just trying to play a little bit of a rate game? And then you have to fight both governments. Like, who who do you end up fighting? Do they duke it out themselves? Let's say you're going to Ontario. Does Quebec and Ontario duke it out themselves? Or do you have to try and take a stance and convince them for you? You're just gonna have quickly. To, you're going to have to take a stance. And sometimes that stance, you're going to have to expand on that stance and take a look at where are your cell phone bills? Where are your credit card bills? Yeah, where do you normally live? Where, where do you normally live? Are, are you here six days a week and in Ontario one or vice versa? And did you have a, a moving van take your stuff from Quebec to Toronto? Sounds like things to be considered before you actually move. As <laughs> please, you mentioned please before. be prepared. <laughs> very important. There you go. Thanks very much, Ernie. Uh, always uh, only the tip of the iceberg, of course, on that. Um, and as we approach uh, the last moment uh, of our show as we do each week, we'll turn to Cole German of Hacks and ask you, Cole, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? Uh, well, I'd make that dual. I think, you know, first of all, having that simpatico relationship with your investors would be one and just 
knowing your core demographic equally is important. Your customers. Yep. Your <laughs> consumers. Yeah, exactly. And and I think what, what we what I, I took out of from what Cole said earlier and a little bit between the lines is really do a little bit more research. Don't just jump in whole hog. There are things that you can learn and do properly, kind of like what Ernie said earlier, be prepared, plan it out in advance. Research, research, I think that can definitely help when you're when you're building a business, certainly in a new sector. Cole Gerben of Hacks, thanks so much for stopping by tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thanks to Ernie Furt as well, tax partner at FL. And Josh, uh, because of scheduling now, we have Thanksgiving, Rosh Hashanah, and an election debate. Long story short, we're back in a month from now. We are, October 28th, but we'll be back with Midday Squares. Mm-hmm. A new company, great, uh, great little food company that uh, is going to have a great story to share. We'll see you on Monday, October 8th, 7 p.m. right here on CJD. October 28th. October, what did I say? November? October 28th. October, yes. October 28th, uh, 7 p.m. here at CJD. And today's entrepreneur.org to hear a decade worth of profiles on the website, if you like. Have a good night.